This episode of Strange Assembly is brought to you by www.l5rsearch.com. L5rsearch.com is a comprehensive online L5R card database with tools to assist in optimizing your decks, proxying cards, or simply finding out about unusual cards. Once you know what you need, www.l5rshop.com puts cards in your hands quickly and economically. I'm Batman Steven, and this is Dangerous Summary, episode 100. Wonderland. Well, I am, as always, Chris Stevenson, and welcome to the centennial episode of Strange Assembly. I'm sure we've got lots of exciting and special stuff planned for you today. Right, guys? Yeah. I made you a cookie, but then I eated it. Well, that's good. I don't really need to eat cookies. Also, please don't talk like that. Uh... (laughs) That was uh, Mike Cook and Jay Earl. We are not really doing anything special today. Sorry, guys, if you were expecting that. I think I said something about fighting Thanos before, but it turns out that I I was not actually telling the truth when I, I said that we were going to fight Thanos. Right. Though so we are doing a special contest, one lucky listener will get to listen to episode 101 shortly after we post it. <laughs> yes, and then the rest of our listeners will get to listen to 101. Yes, both of them. <laughs> yes. So, we started out uh, as a Legend of the Five Rings only podcast, so it is fitting that uh, the gaming content of... Today will just be about Legend of the Five Rings. We have uh, had a bit of a, a break there uh, because of my family stuff. but So we've got Kote season results to talk about and then segue into Gen Con. And so the, the environment for Gen Con will almost be the same as the environment for the end of Kote season. But first, I have a non-gaming thing. You may have noticed in his uh, adorable little voice, Benjamin mentioned that this episode is called Wonder Woman. And so I just want to say that what is up with all of the gender segregation of children's toys and children's products? So I have a son. I am soon going to have a daughter. So apparently that has prompted me to think about these things. And, you know, we've been looking at, at some things, you know, at the toys here or clothing there. and. You know, Benjamin likes Batman because, you know, I've let him watch Batman cartoons, even though I'm probably not, not, supposed, enough. Probably not supposed to let a two-year-old watch a Batman cartoon. I have to explain things. Yes, yeah, well, yes, Batman fell down. Don't worry, he'll get back up. Well, yeah, he's the Batman. <laughs> but that's the great thing about superhero things is they beat, the, beat each other up, but there's no death. Yes, yes, no serious well, injury that... Not not in kids' cartoons, not anyway. Not in kids' cartoons, yeah. Batman the Brave and the Bold is really quite good, by the way. But when you look at the toys, let's look at specifically the Justice League stuff. Like, where's Wonder Woman? Right? Let's not even get into the fact that there's 
like one significant Justice Leaguer who's female, and then they usually throw in a second one, Hawk Girl. And let's not get into the fact that, you know, could someone buy her a pair of pants, please? <laughs> but if you go to buy stuff like, okay, he's at that age where at some point he's going to have to get underwear. But like, like there's Martian Manhunter underwear in the six-pack, really? but no Wonder Woman. I mean, she's much more important than he is, but she's not there because she's a female character. I was in Target the other day, and they had a... Ima- they have like it's like play school Imaginext or something like that, and they had DC Super Friends, and there were sixteen characters. Sixteen characters. Guess how many of them were female? Probably none. That is correct. One. Zero. Zero. There wasn't a single one. I, I mean, how can you go sixteen characters deep into a DC lineup and not hit a female? Have you seen DC? Uh, what I mean by that is Wonder Woman is one of the few female characters uh, that is not a direct derivative of some other character. <laughs> like Hawkgirl instead of Hawkman? Yeah, no, I'm serious. Hawkgirl, Supergirl, Power Girl. I mean, uh, those are both Superman, Batgirl. Batwoman is about the other closest to one, but that's still kind of an offshoot. Yeah, no, they I mean they they have a problem, and they've been trying to correct it. I, it's not even a question of, to some extent, of the underlying thing. I mean, right? This is a universal thing. This goes back to when when we were kids, right? You've got all that GI Joes, and there's like two girls. Yeah. And and what is wrong with us? I mean, it's not like there is some piece of genetic code, like oh, right here on. The 17th chromosome, that's where it says boys refuse to read books with female protagonists. Yeah. So... No, it's just lazy marketing. Well, it, well, I mean, there's a lot of different things in play here. I mean, this is one of the big hot-button subjects, especially for the past, like, two or three years. And there have been a number of things that have really come out and tried to... A number of projects have come out and tried to, you know, try and address this disparity. Um, both of the company, both DC and Marvel seem to be trying to address some of that in their own comics. Uh, Marvel has at least four different lines that have all female teams. The DC's newer Justice League actually has probably about a 50-50. Justice League, when they imported new people, they are about 50-50 male-female. But the same is true for the female aisle, the girl aisle, where it's all pink. Like, everything there is pink. And it's all, you know, dolls of one specific type, um, of one body type, typically. You know, there's a lot, there's no, you know, all the, the science toys, they, they kind of get broken out into their own aisle, but that's still kind of more like a boy aisle, the Lego aisle and the physics aisle and whatnot. Yeah, oh, well, no, there is, there, there are girl, there are Legos for girls, but yes, it's like the horse friends. It seems like every, every product for a girl has to be pink or purple. Right. It has to be, about horses or princesses or fairies or something, and and, and you're, you're right that it's gender segregated, and it's actually I, I think it's traditionally something we think about as as less of an issue, but it, it it's actually the same way too. If you look yeah. at the like a a frequent big thing for the girls is always the the, the the right the Disney princesses, right? But it's not like when you go into the the girls' toys. The 
men are any more useful or prevalent there, the male characters. You know what? You've got your yeah, like in the princesses. Here, here's an example I thought was great. Like the uh, you know the the little the little people, the like play school things. They uh, yeah. They had them when they were kids. I mean, they've changed a little bit. They've got branded ones. They actually have DC Super Friends ones of those, too. There's a Disney Princesses set of them, and they have what's actually, for a toy for kids this age, a pretty cool thing. There's a, a this castle, and there are grooves on the bottom of the, the, the figurines that when you put them onto certain spots in the castle, it knows which Disney princess it is. And so she, like, the, 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 the princess castle will talk to you in that princess's voice or, or sing a song from them or, you know, tell it, you know, whatever it is. That's only true for the female characters. There are, some of the princes are there, you know, like there's Prince Charming or, you know, whoever the prince is in The Little Mermaid and, and that, you know, or Beast and Beauty and the Beast, and they have little figures, but they don't talk. You put the figure in, and it plays like a song. If you look at that other, right, there's many things that can be cited as wrong with with Barbie, but, I mean, there is a male Barbie character, but he's totally useless, like, eye candy thing. I mean, if you had a, if you had a boy's product line, it would be like you had... It would be like you had the Super Friends, and Wonder Woman was the only female character. And not only was she the only female character, like she had no personality or powers. She just hung out with Superman. So, like it, Wonder Woman? No. No, Wonder Woman. Has, I, like, I, I know you're going for a joke there, but Wonder Woman's a very important character in D- DC. So, anyhow, it's not like I have some sort of exciting uh, point to make other than hey this is a thing or or and I don't have a solution or anything but uh, uh I don't know I guess think about that well I mean th- there have been uh, think about that nearly all male audience the, um there was a kickstarter not too long ago that was uh it was a woman who was making a physics toy that was much it was just ta- teaching about levers and pulleys and whatnot but it was dressed up more like, uh, you know, more like a girl toy. It had ribbon and it had like princesses or whatever on it. I, I think it's really kind of a byproduct of kids tend to be interested in things that are like them. But so it, it's really easy to be very lazy and say, okay, well, the boy's just going to want to play with boys. And the girls are just going to want to play with girls. Well, well, that's not always true. And some of it's also self fulfilling prophecy of. Socially, you are told from a very young age you should be playing with boy toys or you should be playing with girl toys, and then that you know just further enables that stereotype and further enables that type of thing. Right, they're so firmly enmeshed these days; it's hard to tell what is cultural bias versus innate bias. Do boys play with boy toys and girls play with girl toys because they're told to, or because there's some intrinsic desire to play with those types of toys? Well, I, I mean, like some of it's socialized or something. You have a yeah. like I like I have a girl on the way for them. Probably like I don't. There isn't really anything of like Benjamin's clothes. Like second kids, you get a lot of hand-me-downs. There probably isn't any reason she couldn't just entirely wear Benjamin's clothes. But suddenly now, even though she hasn't been born yet, now we own pink frilly things. 
that right. people haven't given. I they, I mean, and that, right? And that's exclusively because yeah, there is no. I mean, you could I don't know. Maybe people could make argument about genes for certain categories of play, but like, there's no gene for I like trucks. Right. It's just that. Well, no, it's not genes so much as it's mm, hormones, right? Well, no, I mean, but no, look at the dress. So the dress is socially, as a social construct, is strictly for women. That's becoming less and less true, but that it, there's no reason don't, for that. Don't let it, Kevin hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, kilt is not a dress. I well, that, that, that actually used to be different in some ways, right? Yeah. I mean, if you look back at older... Like, at the very early photographs, and you looked at, uh, I mean, this is different in some ways, and you, you looked at, at younger boys, and they wore what we would call dresses. It wasn't until you got older that you, I guess, graduated the pants. But no, that's, sa- sadly, that whole thing actually makes me think of uh, the lyrics to the beginning of the Madonna song, What It Feels Like for a Girl, which is, like, yeah, it's basically like, it's okay for a girl to dress like a boy. I mean, and really, there. What? How, how many items of clothing are there left anymore that are exclusively male items of clothing? There's probably more than I would would think about, but not like not very many. But, but yeah, maybe. just like staple things like pants. Not even it, that, right? It yeah, used, nope. yeah, I mean, it, it used right. to. Right. I mean, I think you have to go to like serious formal like suit and tie. It's, or, it would still but, be weird. Yeah. You can women women wear suits all the time. The women wear suits, but they're two very different cuts. Well, I don't know. I mean, like that's that's kind of getting into nitpicky, but that's especially true. when you take it the other way, like if if you wear pants and a shirt, th- there is a time when, and we thankfully we've moved past this. There was a time when a woman wearing pants was a big deal, like yep. it was not appropriate. And and we've, except for a very small number of of places, I think we've moved past that. But like it doesn't go the other way. Like it's still very much going to be a thing. If a, a male shows up in, we're still making fun of Kevin for doing so. So, well, I, I never did, but whatever. Well, my my point was that it's not actually a the thing he's wearing is not actually a kilt. Oh, that's fair. That is a fair point. <laughs> yes, that utility kilts are not actually kilts; they're just skirts. And if you want to wear a skirt, that's fine. But let's call it what it is. Strange Assembly, your social uh, progressive podcast. I have no problem with him wearing whatever. It was how vehemently he insisted it was a, a kilt, not a skirt. It's not but, a skirt, yes. Yeah, right, because that's, that's the thing. Kevin's actually the one who has the issue with it being a skirt. Right, yes. It's not acceptable for him. If, if he had made a deal about it, I would not make fun of him for it. It's that he's so vehement about it that it's fun to tease. Yes. Yes, so that is the... Uh, decided to indulge myself with that. So... There you go. That's my 100th episode present to myself, listeners. Okay. All right. Both of you who are still listening. Cote season results. Let's see. In brief, the Empire beat the colonies, but we have no idea what that means. Yoritomo, Aaron, and I became the warlord, and Phoenix and Mantis lost, like, four or five locations each. That that pretty much cover the results? Yeah, yeah I think so. Sure. Like yeah. You know what? There were a lot of stuff that I thought was cool about this Cote season. I, I think that pretty obviously the way that those results turned out with the territory seizures was not 
a good, not a positive thing. I, I mean, I don't think that they really realized how it could, how heavily it could turn against a clan or two. Right. I mean, they made the good of everybody's going to get something without realizing they were also putting in the bad that, oh, not everybody is necessarily going to lose. It could all lose from some, from the same place like it did. Well, I think that they were, it probably occurred to them that like, oh, you're going to have a, you know, you could have a couple of factions who lose two or three or, and then the factions that are doing really poorly, well, they won't make the cut, so they won't lose anything. So we won't be kicking them while they're down. Right. But I don't, I don't think they realized it could go that, that hardly. The other thing is that I don't even, as I was sitting here looking at these again, I'm not, I don't know how great it was in this format to be like that everybody won something because do you feel like you've accomplished anything by taking a territory? You just, everybody got one. It was yeah. just a question of who you took it from, and it didn't feel like, like that was just happenstance. But, darn it, Chris, I want my participation prize. A little trophy. It says participation on it. Yeah. Well, I know, and it definitely would be bad if they did it some way around where it was like, well, everybody's going to lose one. Let's see. <laughs> you know, who makes the best. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, as much as I really appreciate that they try and do these things to really tie people in and make it feel part of the uh, feel part of the program, I mean, the, the two things here are it, because your clan is going to be linked to whatever you're actually playing, and because you're linking like things that happen in the game world, or, you know, the game world to what actually happens in the game, you're always going to end up with wonky results like this. I think. I mean, because I mean, the reason why Phoenix and uh, Mantis lost their land, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is because they did reasonably well in getting to semifinals. They just didn't take home any victories. No, no, they and, won a bunch. Did it's they? That, yes, they they uh, they won a lot. It's just that they uh, they got even more got in even more people who lost. I mean, if you think about it, if you put if they say there's a top sixteen and you're five of the top sixteen, that's a ton. Yeah. Right. Even if you win, that's four losers. Yeah. I mean, every there's only one guy out of the top sixteen who isn't gonna lose, and it doesn't matter if you lose immediately or if you lose after. If you win three times in a row and lose one, the fact that you won three doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't it? It, it counts for which other clan you are going to get to take from, and that's that's it. As far as well, and the. I, I don't well, know. I, I don't know that, that, that he's been excited about the uh, the story that has come out of this either. Which, by the way, has anybody noticed that's like the only story that Sean actually writes anymore? He's written the like the Cote Winter fictions, and I think he wrote one of the Coils of Madness fiction. It's like the Robert Denton and Seth Mason show. They're I think they feel like they're the only ones who who write weekly sure. fictions anymore. But we'll we'll have to see, and it may depend on. I guess this this other than the stuff for making the cut, the stuff for winning. I'm not saying it's good, or I'm saying that it's bad. It it seems very individual specific, and not really significant for the clan. So I guess it's good that the the overall making the cut had an effect for the clan. Does that make any sense? Uh, kind of, maybe? Okay, well, you see, like, like winning the tournament, for you as the winner, 
you get to pick a personality who plays a minor role in the some fiction. Right. You get a vote in the Empire versus Colonies. You get a card, which is it has reasonably likely to not actually specifically benefit your clan. If you look at all the Gates of Chaos, it's got last year's Kote cards, right? So there's like 50 or 60 of them. None of them really are clan specific. They don't. Right. Many of them mechan- Most of them mechanically don't seem to have anything to do with the the territory chosen. Some of them do, but many of them don't. Like Fudoist Temple, right? That was one I'm. Don't know what calling it a Fudoist Temple has to do with uh, giving a guy cavalry. Right. Well, you but, know the Fudoists—they're known for their horses. Uh. Oh wait, no, I'm thinking of the unicorn. Never yeah. mind. So, so those are very, so those are very individual specific things. You get to vote. You get to put a guy you like up in in a minor part of the story. You get a card, but those things aren't really affecting your accumulating anything for your clan. Yeah. So the the place where you are doing something for your clan is. And heck, yeah, if you make it to the finals and lose, you might be hurting your clan. The place where you're doing something for your clan is just by making the cut and trying to get those those votes in for a warlord. So what I'm saying is is it may be, given that winning doesn't really do much for your clan, maybe it's a, a good thing that you know just making the cut actually did affect something for your clan, even though in a way that wasn't really what they were aiming for. No, I see what you're saying. No, generally, actually, I like that structure much better. I would much rather it be, hey, you get to pick these whole bunch of things because you want a co-take, great. But that you leave, like, the clan stuff more up to what generally is done. I, I just, I think it's a better system. So do we do we have any, before we move on for that, any any comments on Aaron I as Warlord? I know there was a a bit of a kerfuffle on the forums about, like, well, should she count as? Should this count as a spider win? Should this count, in addition to counting as a mantis win? And my kind of opinion was that that that's not how story prizes work. This character is the um, this character is going to be the warlord. She's a member of the Brotherhood of Shinsei who is a Fudoist who used to be a mantis, and before that was a spider, and seemed to have you know severed ties to each of those groups successfully. So. You're going to get this character, and what happens is going to be about the character, not about the clan. But, I don't know, did you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, if that's the case, it's kind of weird that they were that she was up for being Warlord for one of them. I, I don't disagree with you. Well, she's up for being Warlord because her last legal card was printed. Like, oh, she's fair. Still, she's still alive, and her last legal card says Spider Clan, Mantis Clan. Right. I, I don't remember. There was some arguing back and forth about whether or not the spider votes mattered. I think the personally, I think it was kind of miraculous that uh, Dragon was still in that at the end. I, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that somehow uh, Tomoko had managed to not get killed. The Mantis and the Phoenix were each on, like, their number six candidate or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, w- I was really sad. I was hoping... I mentioned this before, I was really hoping we would just run out of candidates and at the end just not have anyone to pick. Well, here's why you didn't run out of candidates quite as much. If we transfer uh, into like what's going to link Kote season and Gen Con, which is, is the environment. So we've got the Coils of Madness environment for the end of Kote season. And at the end of Kote season, 
Mantis started doing better, and Phoenix started doing worse. Still very well, but but worse. And a, a, I think a big part of that was Journey's End Keep, because Journey's End Keep had been out there the whole time, but because of the way that L5R works and is allowed to work with, like, oh, we're going to have people show up at Cote's, but nobody knows what they're playing, so can, you know, borrow the deck or steal the deck or whatever or improve the deck or meta the deck. Journey's End Keep was there, but there wasn't very much of it. As the season progressed, those decks actually got out there, so people actually played them, which affects the meta game. One of the advantages of having... If you actually had a, uh, an environment like a Cote season where decks were actually immediately put up in a consistent way, you'd actually start to see more of a flowing metagame across the... Unless there was something that was broken, just busted, that needed to be nerfed. You see more of a flowing metagame across uh, the course of an environment because people can see what's being played and start adjusting. And then you've got things like, oh, well, Journey's End, like Phoenix is doing well, so that makes me want to play Journey's End Keep, so then what's good against that? So Phoenix generally does not have a good, not does not have a good matchup against Journey's End Keep, and Mantis has it generally has a very good matchup against Journey's End Keep. And so I think that is a, a significant part of why Phoenix tailed off near the end and, and Mantis picked up. I, I mean, I couldn't tell you how much of it that is, but in the, the set of Cote that were Coils of Madness legal, which was I think 12 I think there were 12 Cote uh, at the end that were Coils of Madness legal. Mantis won 5 of them. And Phoenix won 2. Mantis were 75% above average at ability to make the cut. Phoenix were 67% above average. It was actually a ridiculously unbalanced environment in that set of tournaments. I think it's it's the worst balance of any environment in Emperor Edition so far. And we get to play it for Gen Con. Oh boy. So the only difference between that and Gen Con is that the or there's a couple there some promos become legal. Most importantly the uh, uh the the Kote promo pack is the biggest chunk which enables a different sort of Panku deck, but Panku has actually done reasonably well. I mean, not that they won anything, but they were actually putting people in the cut, just like Oni have put people in the cut. So I think that the the sort of environment that you're working from at Gen Con is, I, I mean, I think Mantis and Mantis and Phoenix and things that are not clans are still like the stuff to beat. I honestly don't know. Uh, I I agree. I, I feel like uh, I mean, you're right. Journey's End Keep and Panku making Phoenix go second has weakened Phoenix, but not to the point of unplayability. Whereas, I mean, I think the, uh, I mean, at least the deck I saw you running the other day that's Panku seemed to be really bad against Kalani's Landing. So the deck I was running was just I wanted to try out the sort of renewed lands combo deck, basically, which. I would have to figure out how to make that combo more robust, uh, adjust the deck before I would be willing to run that. But uh, there have been... Uh, the Cases deck was put up, so there's that. You could find that on the Strange of 
Strange Assembly website. That's what the uh, the Madness of Case Kayanaga, I believe, is what I uh, titled that one. So that's more of a controlly build. And you had that and and other pan coup decks that were doing well. Not that were not that kind of deck that I was playing, but I don't know. You, you've got that. I don't think that Crab seemed to have finally dropped off. They, they were doing decently during the early part of Kote season. They were really terrible during the Coils of Madness part. I that was probably a statistical aberration. I don't think they suddenly got that much worse, but they don't seem to have something that would give them a big breakout. You guys are just done, Mike. I The crane are just hosed. Oh, yeah. No. You, you didn't need to tell me that. Yeah, yeah. I, I like... I, I, you know, I think he's figured it out, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I am, I'm concurring. I think the... Uh, I think it still says this. Maybe they changed that. I really like on the, the Crane Clan forums. It's like Crane Clan Emperor Edition in hard mode. It's <laughs> hilarious. Uh, it's funny because it's true. Yeah. Funny in air quotes. Yeah, the, the lion... Uh, I don't know where to go with them. They just the more that people play Journeys and Keep and Panku, I think is not good for them. Although yes, Lion like do going second less than we do. Yeah, I well because that that was sort of before the Journeys and Keep came out. That would be like well you could play Lion because that would let you beat Phoenix. That you know that would be what you were you were shooting for. Scorpion, I don't think is bad, but I don't really see. If you were like, my objective is to win this tournament, I don't know why you'd play Scorpion. Spider, I think, is just hinging on its stronghold, randomly producing really nifty stuff. It doesn't have much else uh, reason to that. Unicorn continues to sort of move along with a, a decent performance, and Dragon. Uh, although it didn't, it, it won one near the end of the season. We finally did get our win, and actually had a pretty good make the cut percentage. And that's all over the place. I think Dragon, you're probably looking at either Tomori or Faceless, and and trying to go somewhere from there as probably as your best Dragon thing. But I mean, if I had to lay money on what was going to win a generic Gen Con tournament, I'd lay it on Mantis because I don't have any particular reason to go somewhere different. No, they seem pretty dominant. So, the events at Gen Con, there's the normal range of grinders, like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. There's, again, a set of draft tournaments. You get to pick a, a current guy to be experienced. Let me just say that any positive result, I'm, you know, Katsuki Hirume or Ichizo, those are both good characters to pick for any of these things. On Thursday, you've got the Colat Master one. Hey, pick somebody to be a Colat Master. At the same time on Thursday, you've got the Monk and the Dragon, which is the Fudo versus Panku tournament, where you have to play either the Foothold of the Mad or uh, the Fudo box. And then the finals will be the best Fudo player versus the best Panku player. And the Panku player will be like, well, my deck is better, but if you draw a Footsteps of madness in your opening hand, then I lose. Yeah, yeah. That feels how that tournament's gonna. I uh, I I would like to play in that because I would like Fudo to lose, but that's not gonna happen, which we'll get to in a little bit. On Friday, the side event is Big Deck, which is the 100 card for each deck Highlander. Jay and Mike 
should be working on those decks, their decks, right? You guys, you have your, I know you don't have them together yet, but you need to get them together. You got a couple of weeks. Ratlings. Yep. I have my creation control deck together, yes. <laughs> no, 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 you gotta play in the, you gotta play in the big deck tournament. Oh, I have to. Because you are now a member of Strange Assembly, and we need to discharge the prize for the last charity thing. From like five years ago. At least a couple years ago now. Uh, Solving the riddle at the request of the entrance. I said, okay, yes, ratlings can be it. And the, the bounty was that at the, at, at the next opportunity, we would play, we would play that clan. Well, the winner was Rattling. Oh, and when he asked if we could do it, Chris Braun uh, asked, he's like, and I'm like, well, we can, but I don't know when we're going to be able to play that. Well, Rattling is a legal faction in Big Deck. You're allowed proxies, so that will help. Good. <laughs> I don't remember. I think at some point it said you were allowed the whole, like, full deck proxy, but maybe it's actually only the 40 cards in each deck proxies. Several years ago was a, you could do a really, really nasty... I think big deck rattling deck, but they've banned tomorrow sensei, which means you don't get a sensei because that's the only rattling sensei. And that was a big part of, of the deck because you, it was just like a bunch of, it was like no holdings and it was just a bunch of guys that you could buy off of like a holding or your box. And so you'd like buy a guy and then you'd use the, the Warren's box to create another guy and just blitz basically with your 13 province and just, or swarm or whatever, uh, just with generic battle actions. You don't get the whole, like, I play with 10 of the shout for whatever the, you know, that version of the first shout was. Anyhow, right. so that's on Friday. Saturday is the main event, which is Panku as Monster of the Year, I guess. Panku had, Panku appeared as of Quails of Madness, and he will be defeated as of Gen Con. Sounds about right. Yep. If Panku wins... The uh, the monk versus the dragon, then Panku cultists will still be around causing problems. But you know, Panku himself, I think, will be out of the picture. Maybe he'll maybe he'll have more of an opportunity to to actually come back and not just be a monster of the month if uh, he wins the monk versus the dragon. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. The second chance event is to replace Satsu, which I would also like to play in pretending that I can replace Satsu with another dragon, as it should be. Or Phoenix. We're the other voice. Not because I have any legitimate reason to say that, oh, it's as it should be a dragon, like what, because there's been well, there's been one Phoenix in a completely different definition of the voice position, and then the word dragon in the current one, which is meaningless, but because... No, no, it's it's tradition. One of us, one of the two of our clans needs to be the next voice. (laughs) I've decreed it. Okay. Rokugan is a land of tradition. I'll take those odds. Uh, <laughs> 50 sounds a lot better than 1 out of 12 or whatever it is uh, when you count all the the viable right. line factions. Right. voice. Yeah. And then there's the draft. If you want something different, you can participate in some drafts. And then the people who win, there's 10 of them, but the people who win the first eight get to play in an eight-man draft on Sunday. And the reason they hold a couple of extra drafts is in case one of the people who wins one of the first eight drafts is in the top eight for one-up for the second chance of the main event. Then they can, you know, go play in the constructed tournament and you can have a substitute. 
to do the the eight man draft on Sunday, and that's basically that's that's pick a guy, get an experienced card. The big deck is pick any old character, well not not any old character, but pick any character, and they'll do a story about them. Presumably, if you know one of you guys should happen to win the big deck, Bryn seems like the appropriate character to pick. I'm saying so. If anybody in the big deck tournament, you know, wants to be nice to to, to Chris, uh, not this Chris, the other Chris, you know, I think you should concede to Jay and let him go all the way through <laughs> and get some story time for Bryn. I'm I'm just saying because they raised uh, several thousand dollars for for Pancan at their. I'll, I'll, I'll put him as my second choice. My first choice is going to be Yusuke Guru. Huh? Excellent. Old school reference. No one else gets. That that was Rich Wolf's character. Okay. I don't know if you're allowed to pick a crab if you win with the rattling. He was he was rattling. Okay. Indeed. Do I even want to know why there's a rattling? Probably Just, not. No. Yasuki werewolf. I don't. Okay. Okay. So that was our exciting Gen Con preview, right? The reason I don't have any more of an exciting, I'll, I'll put some stuff up on the website, but my. My Gen Con preview is uh, less exciting than usual because I, unless something very strange happens, I am not going to get to go to Gen Con uh, this year because I uh, I need to stay and help Katie out while she's busy being super extra pregnant and having a toddler already. So I can't just depart for a week and go off and do my thing. Grrr. It, it makes me feel very childish and want to throw a temper tantrum. Which feels appropriate. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. If, if you need a refresher, I think there's someone in your household who can give you a nice refresher on how to uh, perform a successful temper, temper tantrum. You know, I, he can, but I gotta tell you, Benjamin's pretty fantastic. He really is not a big temper tantrumer. I'm sure that as uh, karmic retribution for child number one being pretty easygoing, child number two will be a hellion or something. But we can only hope. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> we can only hope, but we're actually hoping that's not gonna happen, eh? Nice try. You're doomed. May, may, well, yeah. Well, then, it, it, well, while I'm gonna go contemplate that, you guys can go ahead and. Uh, write little Gen Con previews about the things at Gen Con that you are hoping to check out, including going and playing Netrunner in the creation and control environment. Mike, you can play one of several brand new identities that are inferior to the prior, previously existing identities. But I should uh, wait, that, wait, which ones do you think are inferior? Uh, not all of them, but a couple of them are uh, struck me as bad. But we uh, should save that for a Netrunner episode. Professor, there's the only one that's not great right now. Anyway, sorry. Yes, okay. Future episode. We will do that. The distant future. Uh, hopefully not all that future. Not the year that. 2000. Next Sunday, 80. Okay, well then. Did you gentlemen have anything you wanted to say about Legend of the Five Rings or Gen Con right now? Nah, uh, particularly, I mean, we'll be up at Gen Con, uh, so it I'll be wearing my Strange Assembly shirt, I'm sure, one of the days. <laughs> That's helpful, right? Yes. You've got the 25% chance that if you see Mike, you can tell that it's him because he's wearing a Strange Assembly shirt. 
because I don't know. I'll be up there, but uh, Gen Con for me is like everything. I'll be running around everywhere, and I'm going up there with other friends, and I'll be doing stuff with them. Oh no, no, uh, yeah, nobody, yeah. But that's. But, but I, ch- I would like I would like a, a point where if someone wanted to come and talk to us, you know, we would actually have some kind of meeting point. Was my only was uh, my main question. Okay. Well, Jay and Mike will be in the Big Deck event on Friday, so you can go catch them there. Well, well, there you go. So that's what I'm saying. You are going to do things that are not just playing all five R. Thus, you are an excellent candidate to do something like write an article about the things that you are looking forward to doing at Gen Con, new games you are hoping to see. Don't just quote everything that Fantasy Flight is releasing either. No, actually, that's the thing is they don't have that much coming out this Gen Con. Like, I'm hard-pressed to tell you anything they've got coming out. I mean, I've got like two or three things I know they're coming out with, but it's not going to be anywhere near like it was last year. Well, and that's uh, sadly, that's probably the... I, I haven't looked at the schedule, but if it's like it was last year... The big deck will conflict with the in-flight report. No! I'll say, well, it's kind of sad last year. I'm like, I, I know, I know, I get no, nobody, no sympathy because I went and won the Thunderstone tournament, but uh, you know, I missed out on the, the free copy of the Edge of the Empire beta. Anyhow, so... I, I did, because we looked down and we're like, wait, when is the in-flight report? And it was like five minutes and it was in another building. And I'm like, well, I'm not making that. And and I then had to pay thirty dollars for my copy instead of getting a free one. Yes, yes, I, I paid thirty dollars for a, a beta copy of a book that I have that I then bought the uh, the full copy of. That just went up today, as of when we're recording this. The the review of the full Edge of the Empire core book, which I'm you said you were going to run, Mike. So I'm waiting. I say I say a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I do actually want to run it. It's just time. It's always time. Got an adventure in the back. It does. And I got the screen for it, so I got that adventure, and they have the free adventure, blah, 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 blah. There you go. This Sunday. We'll see you at my house. But until then, I think that we. I'm going to go back to, in addition to hoping that my daughter is not a Hellion, I am going to go hope that that for that new Star Wars movie that I'm so excited to take my kids to, that they uh, they have Han and, Le- and Han and Leia's kids, the twins, and a male and a female protagonist with equal uh, emphasis. That's what I will hope. But uh, have, you, have you not seen the casting call? What? Have you not seen the casting call that was bouncing around the Internet a month or two ago? No. The one that was wrong or incorrect? Oh, was, it, was it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Well, I'm going to go back to having my hopes then. Don't burst my bubbles. It may not be twins, because they're not going to use anything from the books. Oh, okay. Well, I I generally don't think they should use stuff from the books, but I'm just saying. <laughs> that, would yeah. be, that would be an actual big thing that I torment my, my children with anyway. Benjamin now has a, a plushy star, uh, TIE fighter. <laughs> Poor Hell kid. yeah. yeah. Awesome. I want, I want one. <laughs> but say. They only had the one that I saw. But anyhow, I- until then, <laughs> you have been listening to Strange Assembly. We uh, are very grateful that you guys have been listening to us for 100 episodes. Thank you also to L5R Shop for sponsoring us for uh, most of that time. Their help has been uh, invaluable in keeping us up and uh, running. We are always very happy to hear feedback from our listeners. You can email me directly at chris at strangeassembly.com. 
You can go on our website and comment on any of the posts. We sort of have a Twitter presence at strangeassembly.com. We have a Facebook page, Strange Assembly. You can uh, chat with us at any of those. Do we have an Instagram? Do we have a Tumblr? No, no, no. No, but I have been taking pictures of my food, so once that gets started, we're good to go. God, I hate it when people do that on Facebook. But <laughs> I, I am, again, like I said, I'm uh, I'm glad you guys have uh, been with through been with us through a hundred episodes. If for no other reason than it lets me justify having labeled episodes zero zero one and and such from the beginning. Go, <laughs> go overly organized guy, and we'll we'll hopefully see you guys for another hundred. <laughs>